planted in the house will flourish in the courts of our God. And it's so, so important that we find ourselves planted or rooted in the things of God. Um, because if, when we're planted or we're rooted, uh, especially if it's in the good ground of our life, if it's in, in good soil, um, our lives will flourish, it, we will thrive, and we will grow in the things of God. And that's really what our purpose or my purpose is in, in each of our lives, is to, to put into your life so that you can grow and be active and used for the work of the ministry. It's not about me doing all the works of the ministry. It's about us collectively doing works of ministry for whatever it is that God's called you. So across leadership, across the leadership of Family Church, we are really excited about this next season or year of, of what teaching we're going to be bringing to the house, to you, to your life, to, to our lives as we share and as we learn and as we grow together. Uh, whether you are younger or more mature in your life, or whether you're a young Christian or a mature Christian in the journey of your life, the things that we're going to share this year, I hope, will cause you to look at the roots of your life and, and know that they are established or that you put them down deeper than ever before. The deeper the roots in our life go, the stronger we are when the storms of life hit us. And, and I think it's really important that we know about establishing and being rooted so that when storms come, because they do come, don't they? Yeah. You've been alive any length of time, you know storms will hit. Um, but the, the thing that keeps the tree, we got a tree in our garden, it's, it's hilarious, this tree. The whole of the ground, when, the, when it's a windy day, the ground rocks with the tree. And I think... I thank the Lord that there is good roots, but how good those roots are, they're not like our apple tree. We used to have an apple tree, a huge apple tree. We haven't got a huge garden, but we had a huge apple tree. And one day, this apple tree just fell down. It was a huge thing. I'm not talking a little apple tree. It just fell down. Then we had another tree in our garden. It was a bay tree. It was a huge bay tree. It was right on the border of our next door neighbors. And it Jane looked at this thing one day and she said, there's something not right with the bay tree. I wasn't there. I was working down here. And said to you, and I think. Anyway, she said to one, someone, some, there's always lots of people in the house. Anyway, she said to someone, that tree doesn't look right. And, and it was leaning. This, this was a huge bay tree. It was leaning on our next door neighbor's fence. It had just given way. And, and I, I was down here and I phoned a tree surgeon and they came and cut the thing down. But the roots had rotten, become rotten. It, it, it had been, de- well, the, the bay tree had decayed through a fungus that had attacked it. And the, bay, uh, the apple tree had just got so old that it had, the roots had had it, in the, and, and it just gave way. So r- root awareness in our life is so important. How healthy are our roots? What is affecting the roots to our life? And looking at those things in our, in our life, I think, are really helpful. I've got a couple of scriptures I want to share right at the beginning as we go through this, because these scriptures from two different authors in the, in the Word of God really came from a very similar standpoint. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7 says this, Blessed is the man. Say that with me. Blessed is the man. Don't we want to live a blessed life? 
It is far better living a blessed life than living a cursed life or a, a, a life that really has just got issues and problems and we never see the blessing of God come in our life. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. We don't have to hope in the Lord. Our hope is the Lord. And I think it's really important that we look at these two thoughts. We trust him and our hope is in him. And then it goes on and says in verse 8, For he who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when the heat comes. I'd like to stop there. When things begin to heat up in our life, when pressures come, when, when the wind begins to blow, when the storms are there, when issues are in our life, that's when things begin to heat up. We remain strong. So it says here, the tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. The key is where our roots are. Are our roots in him? Because he is the source of all the nutrients that come from being in him. If we dig down deep, what do we see? Do we see our lives founded firm on Christ alone? And I think that is absolutely key in the journey of our life that we can see this. I love the fact that the heat will come, the pressure will come, the fear will come. It says you're not, you're not excluded from these things. Bad things do happen to good people. It wasn't a case that you suddenly became a Christian and nothing ever went wrong again. If there's anyone in the room that can say that, please tell me how you managed it. Bad things still do happen, but regardless of those bad things, it says fear, uh, the fear of heat will not affect, but its leaf will still be green. Come on, what a green, a green leaf shows of a healthy plant. A green, you know, we've got a plant, <laughs> I should have bought it. We've got peace lily, we've got numerous peace lilies. Jane just wanted to flood our house with peace lilies. Any of you ladies in, a, in her connect group will, will see them. And, and most of them look great, except for the one that was in my office. <laughs> oh, I wish I'd bought that. Oh, it would have been so funny. Now, now this, 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 the peace lilies around the house, they're fresh and flourishing and beautiful. The one in my office is just... Boom. It just looks rubbish. So Jane looked at it, felt sorry for it, brought it out of my office, looked after it and cared for it, and it's still... <laughs> now, we're speaking life over this thing because it's a nice big thing, but it is awful. It's leaf is not green. Well, it's partially green, but it's flopped. And will not be anxious in the year of drought. You know, if, you, if you've seen... If you're like me with plants, all my plants would look like they've been through a drought, I think, because I'd never water them, i never care for them, because I, I couldn't, they're not on my radar. <laughs> but here, our lives will not be anxious. They will not look like they've gone through a year of drought. 
because they will still be green and flourishing, nor cease from yielding fruit. Come on. It doesn't matter what stage of life we are. You may be, you may be a young sapling in life. God wants you to be yielding fruit. You may be a, a middle-aged Christian walking in your walk with God, strong in faith. God wants you yielding fruit. It doesn't matter what age you get to. <laughs> Notice how careful I'm being this week. <laughs> it doesn't matter what age. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Those who were here last week, you know I got myself in hot water. <laughs> it doesn't matter what age you get to. I don't want to look at anybody old. Uh, uh. He wants you fresh and flourishing, bearing fruit in our old age, because that is God's call for our life. At every stage, at every moment, fresh and flourishing. Now, it's not just Jeremiah who said that. Let's, let's read in Psalm, Psalm 1. Psalm 1, verse 2 and 3 says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. The psalmist here has given us a, 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 a clue of how we live this kind of life. He's saying, look, look the, the key here for you is this. Our delight is in the law of the Lord. In other words, he's saying, our delight is in his word. If you want success in your life, be in his word. It, it, it really doesn't matter. Oh, let me turn to, I wasn't going to go there, but let me go here anyway. Uh, so, go to. It doesn't matter how much or how little, whether it's a passage, a chapter, a book, if your heart is in it, God can speak through it. Amen. If you want to make your way prosperous, Joshua 1 8, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to that which is written. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. The measure of your success, the measure of your blessing is actually, do we put into practice what this says? You will make your way prosperous if you read and meditate on my word and put it into practice. Being a disciple, part of being a disciple is to read the word of God and then to do the will of God. I, I, when I first became a Christian, um, many of you would know I had a reading. I, I was about, I guess I was seven when I first acknowledged a need for a saviour. I don't, I don't remember how much bad I'd done. I'm sure my mum could tell me. But I knew I'd sinned. I had done wrong. I, my, my, I knew I didn't have God in my life and I wanted God in my life. But then my life went off the rails and I, I did all sorts of silly and crazy things. But there came a moment in my life when I came back to God in a real and meaningful way in my, in my twen early 20s. And it was at that moment in my life that I knew that I needed his word. I needed to know the author. I needed to know what he had done, who he was, what what he was calling me to, and the only way to do that was to open his word and to begin to digest it. Now, I, 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 I had a reading age at 15 of a seven-year-old. I, I had, have had, 
partially diagnosed dyslexic, dyslexia. So with all those issues in my life of struggling to read, not being able to read well, it, it was a, to, pick up the, to pick up a book this big is huge for some people who struggle. But I started to consume the Word of God like it was, it was natural nourishment. It was spiritual, but it was, it was what I needed. And I started to consume the Word of God. I didn't understand a word I read. I'd get to the end of a chapter and I'd start on the next chapter for not knowing what on earth I'd just read. But I was going to read another chapter and another chapter and I, I would read the book of Genesis 50 chapters and I'd read it in a day just consuming the word of God because I knew that his word brought, would bring success to my life. I knew his word was so needed. I needed to found my, my world on his word of who he was. The word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. But his delight, verse, uh, Psalm 1, verse 2 to 3. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, delighting in the word of God. And in his law, he meditates day and night. We just allow the word of God to permeate, to live through us, to, to marinate in our heart. And then in verse 3, he says, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Two scriptures, two different areas, David, Jeremiah, both saying the same things, both encouraging you and I, as well as Joshua, encouraging us to put the word of God in our life. If that's a struggle to you or if it's not a daily practice in your world, can I encourage you to start small and work up larger? Take a passage, take a, take a two or three verses and, a, and think on it, meditate on it, muse on it through the rest of the day. Try and remember where you read so that you can bring that back to your natural remembrance and the Holy Spirit can remind you of those scriptures in your life. But these two scriptures speak about God's blessing when you allow God's word to be a part of your life. You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. As the word of God goes into your heart, there's something miraculous that begins to take place. There, it's, the Bible talks about the washing of the water of the word. I don't fully understand what that means, but I do know this. That as I allow the word of God in my heart, there is a spiritual cleansing, a washing of the water of his word that begins to take place in my life. It is supernatural. It is miraculous. How can, you know, I, I, don't, I don't sort of, the washing of the water of his word, it, it, it doesn't make, that doesn't make sense. But in here, something is taking place that is like the washing of the water of his word in our life. Every one of us needs that on a daily basis. If you've not had a wash this morning, I would encourage you to go to the bathrooms now and then come back into the meeting. If you've not washed by the washing of the water of his word, then something begins to stink. Or the root of our life becomes more decayed. 
or we're not protecting elements of the journey that we should be on because there is that washing of the water of God's word, of the, of the impurities of this world that would try and infiltrate the, the root, of, root system of our life. It's so important that we allow the word of God in and through our lives. Jesus developed this whole thought of root systems as he spoke about foundations upon our life. I want to read what Jesus had to say as, as he came into this place and he's beginning to teach uh, the crowds that were gathered you know, from Jerusalem, Judea, and Tyre and Sidon. He begins to speak into their lives in Luke chapter 6, verse 47. He says this, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them. See, this is the way of true discipleship, isn't it? Whoever comes to me, that's salvation. Whoever comes to me and acknowledges that I am Lord, that is salvation. I don't want to just get to heaven knowing salvation. Now, let me tell another little journey of my life. I was a postman who used to deliver letters. And as part of my job, I used to have extra post bags, and they were delivered to the Park Hotel in Park Road in Elverstoke. Now I'm giving real detail. And I used to go and pick, I used to deliver whatever was in my bag and then go and pick up another bag, then go and pick up another bag because I had a large post round, lots of mail. And I used to go into this particular pub and pick up the next bag and I would just have a brief conversation with the landlady or the landlord and just say, hi, thanks for the looking after the bags. I'll just grab the next one, see you in a few minutes and I'll be back again. Just went on... Weeks after weeks after weeks. And then one day, the landlady wasn't there. So I had a quick conversation with the landlord. I said, you know, I, I noticed that, I can't even remember her name now, but I, I noticed that she's not, she's not around. Your wife's not around. He said, oh, yeah, yeah she's, she's really struggling. She's in hospital at the moment. Uh, she's in a really bad way. And I said, do you mind if I go in and visit with her? He said, no, no, you can do it. She won't mind. And I was teaching at Bible college at the time. And I thought, right, I'm going to leave early. Um, on my way over to Portsmouth, I'm going to teach Bible college, but I'm going to go in and just spend some time with this lady. And as I walked in and I stood by her bed, she was yellow. Um, everybody that came into the pub said, oh, have one on me, have one on me. And she, would, she just drunk herself to death. Um, and it, it, it was a really tough moment just to look at this lady and see her. And I said, do you mind if I pray with you? She, she, she responded and said, um, uh, I'm, I'm a Roman, Roman Catholic. I said, that doesn't make you saved. I said, do you know Jesus? She said, I know about him. I said, you need to know him. And I don't know how much longer you've got on this earth, but you need to know him quick. And I just shared a few things and, and shared my life, my testimony with her and shared in her life. She couldn't talk that much at the time. And I said, look, would you like me to pray with you? She said, would you please? And I prayed with her. And she accepted the Lord. And tears began to flow from her face. It was, it was a divine moment in a hospital room that changed her entirety, 
her eternity was changed. But she died that night. I didn't know that, and I just went on my post round as normal, picked up my mail, picked up the mail from the pub, didn't, didn't see the landlord, didn't know what was going on. I just <laughs> carried on doing my round. And the next thing I knew, a car flew up. No, sorry, she didn't die that night. She died a week later. A car came pulling up, driving up the road, and just stopped, screeched to a hold and stopped. And, he, and it was a landlord, and jumped out the car. He said, what have you done with my wife? I'm in trouble. What have I done? I, I said, I've done nothing. I just prayed with her. He said, she has so much peace. Her, her, she, there was, she is transformed. She's a different lady in that bed. What have you done? I said, I just prayed with her and led her to the Lord. He said, thank you so much because there is so much peace. I've seen a transformation take place in my wife's life. And she died a week later. There may have been an instant transformation but there wasn't a discipleship transformation. The publican didn't have this incredible discipleship journey where she put the word in her life. She, like the thief on the cross, had a transformational moment of salvation. But we have an incredible journey ahead of us called discipleship, where we can know him. Paul, Paul in his journey, he turned around and said, oh, that I would know you, that I would know the power of your resurrection, that I would be conformed to your death. Have we got that kind of heart? I don't want to be like the publican lady I knew or the guy at the cross who died alongside Jesus who, yes, had a moment of transformation but never knew what it was to develop that ongoing discipleship with Jesus. But we have that ability. And like Paul, on the road to, uh, to Damascus, he had a moment where he was knocked from his donkey or horse or camel, whatever he was traveling on, and he had an encounter with Jesus, and then he was taught of the Holy Spirit, and then he wrote the, the, books of the, 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 the letters of the Bible, bringing discipleship and transformation to the church for the next 2,000 years. I don't know which one you would prefer, but for me, I want to be more like Paul, who can share the faith with others and bring transformation into their world. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, discipleship, receives Jesus. Discipleship is then going ahead and doing them. We're hearing the words of Jesus and doing them. We're hearing the words of Jesus and sharing with others around us. Like iron sharpening iron, coming alongside others and saying, hey, I see you're struggling in this area. I want to be a brother. I want to be a sister in your life and just encourage you. I want, to, I, want you I want to prop your life up. I know you're going through a difficult time. Whilst you're going through the battle, I'm going to be alongside you, lifting your arm so that we win the battle together. That, that to me is discipleship, where we hunger and we thirst for the things of God. This is what Jesus said. And I will show you who he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. The rock, Christ Jesus, and our foundation built on him. 
Come on, everyone in this room. I, I, my heart's desire for everyone in this room is join a connect group and be strong together. Not just, a, not just attending church once a week where we come together to, collectively, but where we can go into each other's homes and walk with each other, being strong in faith and strong together and encouraging one another. I, I, I love the fact that we've got the men's WhatsApp group and you've got a ladies one. And if you're not on, on it, join one and be a part of the, the community that's in there. You know, there was a situation last night. There was a situation that was desperate. And, and, and one of the gentlemen just put on there, uh, please pray into this situation. Do you know what I loved? I love the fact that all of a sudden there was a guy over here in the town and another guy over there in the town and somebody else that doesn't live in the town but is part of our, our congregation. All the, they're coming back saying, we're praying, we're praying, we're standing with you, we're believing with you. If that's not community, and then being able to say, we're going to come together. Come on. This is where we love one another, where we demonstrate that love. And I've said to that person this morning who was, who was in that situation, who was out looking for, their, for the, this, this child, I said, if ever that happened again, or if it happens with any of us, put it on the group, and we will all come out and look. And we will all stand together and we will all link arms and we will say we're in this as brothers and sisters. We're in this together. Because if one person's hurting, we all hurt. If one person's crying, we cry with you. If one person's rejoicing, we rejoice with you. But we're on the journey together. We're family in the house of God. Have we put down roots to our life? that are founded on Christ alone, where we're family together in the journey. Storms will come. I said that earlier. Storms will come. And those storms sometimes can come out of nowhere when you're least expecting it. But like the tree at the end of my garden that, that blows in the wind and the earth blows with it, the roots go down so much that the tree is not coming out of the ground. I thank the Lord because it's right next to my office. It's like, don't, I'm in there working away. And I'm thinking, it's windy out there. And this tree is going literally like this. And I'm thinking, thank the Lord for those roots. Protect me while I'm in here. The truth is, we shall know truth found in God's word. Not, not truth that I share from the front. The truth I share from the front, I believe, is God's word. But you can't live off my faith. You can't live off what I've found as a revelation. You can't live off of my experience. It has to be yours. It has to be real, real for you. So that when you're in your storm, you can't say, well, the storm that Jeff went through, you, you delivered him. Now do it for me. It doesn't work that way. That will encourage your faith. Absolutely. But the only way your roots will stand firm is when you found them on God's word. Get them down deep. Get them down strong. I, I, I love the fact that, that, G, that the Old Testament guys were teaching, get your roots down, get your roots down on the Word of God. Then you see in the New Testament, Jesus, or in the Gospels, Jesus is saying, the foundation has got to be on the Word. It's got to be on the Word. It's got to be founded on Christ alone. And then the New Testament epistles and, and the letters that were written you see Paul and others saying, look, come on, let your life be founded on the apostles' doctrine. What is the apostles' doctrine? The apostles' doctrine is all the things that they learned from Jesus. 
they then brought into their world, and then the Holy Spirit brought revelation to the things that Jesus taught, and then they shared it as the apostles' doctrine. That has remained the truth to today. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And our, our lives have got to be anchored on the truths of God's word. Like an anchor to our soul. See, our spirit connects with the word, absolutely. But it's the soul. That's where we become double-minded or two-minded in our thinking. Oh, will God do this? And will God do that? Or won't he? Will he? Won't he? Won't he? Will he? Won't he? And then our soul, our mind, will, it needs to be anchored on truth. So that we are focused and we stand in the evil day. That we stand having stood on his word. The Acts of the Apostles, I love the fact in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we've read this many times over the years, and it says, and they continued steadfastly, what in? The Apostles' doctrine, the word of God, and in fellowship, food, February food feast Sunday, next week. <laughs> that is so hard to get my mouth. I wonder what we're going to do in March. Mum, mum, yeah, munch in March. <laughs> Mega food or whatever. <laughs> anyway, we're gonna we're gonna we, the apostles' doctrine. You're gonna get that week after week after week after week. We're not gonna deviate from the word of God. It is the foundation. Other other individuals and churches and organisations may may waver. Oh, we've got to uh, we've got to uh, we've got to uh, allow today's society to influence the word. No, the word will influence today's society in this house. So we're going to continue in the Apostles' Doctrine and in fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. So this year, we're going to teach on at least four specific subjects. Um, and starting next week on Christology, the understanding of Christ, or we've titled it Jesus Is. And we're going to do four or five weeks on Jesus Is. Who is Jesus to me? What should he be according to God's word in my life? Then we're going to go to soteriology, which is the study of salvation. You need to know you're saved. I've, I, over the years of my life as a Christian and as a minister pastor, uh, just to let you know, we were 19 years old two weeks ago. I forgot to celebrate and thank the Lord for that. 19-year-old as family church, 20, 21 years as pastor in church um, and whatever else I did before that. But soteriology is the study of salvation. Over these years, I've seen people flip-flop. I'm saved, I'm lost. I'm saved, I'm lost. I'm saved, I'm lost. No, come on. You need to know the truth. If you're saved, you're saved. And you live for him with every fiber of your being. If you're wondering whether you're saved one week and you're saved the next, then perhaps you just need to nail your colors to the mast and live like you're saved rather than being so wishy-washy and lukewarm in your life. Just get in there and live for him. We're going to look at the study of pneumatology. That sounds really good, doesn't it? Pneumatology, the study of the Holy Spirit. It's much easier to say it that way. We're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to just study who the Holy Spirit is in our life and what he's doing on the earth today. And then we're going to look at eschatology. Eschatology is the doctrine of last things. How many of you believe we're in the last days? Only about half the church. Okay, let, let, me, let me ask the question again. I would like, like a response. Who thinks we're in the last days? Who thinks we're in the last of the last days? 
<laughs> I really think we could be well in the last of the last. But anyway, we're going to talk about last days. Um, that's going to be encouraging and, and um, exciting as we do that. Did you know that we are a work in progress? None of us have, none of us have made it, have we? We look at our life. Just think about your week this last week. And then think, have you made it? Have you really lived 100% for God in everything that you've done, said, behaved? None of us. Why? Because we are work in progress. But I am not like a, I'm not the same person I was 20 years ago. And I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago. And I'd like to think I'm not the person I was two years ago. Because there's got to be progression. Onward, Christian soldiers. No, no. Oh, this is how I was. This is how I liked it when it was like this. No, no. Don't get stuck in the old. Let's look to the new. Look to what God's doing. That's why I believe Jesus turned around and said about new wine in new wineskins. We are always meant to be allowing the Holy Spirit to fill us. And we, the wineskin, have got to remain fresh and new. Not just saying, oh, this is how I always liked the way it was. New in our life. Are you prepared as a student to be in Christ's classroom? Yes. Do you want to be in Christ? Always learning. See, there's a scripture that says, always learning, never come into the knowledge of the truth. We want you always learning and come into further revelation of truth. It's so important that we are learners in the house of God. This is Paul's understanding. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, it says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, salvation, so walk in him, discipleship. Discipleship never ends. Growing in God, learning about him, learning about his ways. The moment that you, you look at an onion and you begin to peel back the skin, you realize there's another layer and another layer. When you look at a diamond and the facets and the, and the, the angles and the, and the picture of who God is, there is, it's multifaceted. When we walk as a Christian and we encounter, when we walk with, begin to walk with God, we experience salvation and the beauty and the wonder of what salvation is. But then we walk with him in discipleship for the rest of our life. And here in the scripture it says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So I'm looking at a bunch of learners here this morning. I'm looking at a bunch of people who are saying, I want to be in Christ's classroom. Because if he's the teacher, I want to learn everything there is. I want to sit at his footstool. I want to sit in his presence. I want to be a Mary. That, that I, okay, there's a lot of things that need to be done. But Lord, I want to sit at your feet and glean everything that you want to pour out. But at the same time, I know I need to be a Martha, busy doing the things of God. Let's not just at the exclusion of Martha say, well, I'm just sitting at the Lord's feet. Yeah, but there's people that need to be one. There's, there's a house that needs to be built. Let's do both. Roll up our sleeves and serve, but also be at his feet and learn. And then it says this in Ephesians 3, 17. It says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that we be rooted 
in love and grounded in love. See, the whole principle from the Old Testament right the way through to Paul's letters, rooted, rooted, rooted. I'll tell you what, one of the hardest things for any plant to be able to do is to get its roots down if you keep changing the plant pot or the position of the plant in the garden. I used to have, we have got wisteria in the garden. <laughs> I'm just telling you about my garden this morning. We have wisteria in the garden. I bought our wisteria plant and it looked like, it looked like a lead. Got it from the garden center. I've always liked wisteria on my post round, number 23, Beach Grove. They got a beautiful wisteria plant. Anyway, so I, I had this wisteria plant. I bought it. It was that, that big, brand new. Thought, great, going to plant it in the garden. Planted it. Kept watering it. Kept putting the right things to it. And this thing really looked rough. I thought, I've got to move it. So I thought, right, I'm going to move it to a different position. Maybe it doesn't like the light or the lack of light or the bit of earth that it's in. You can tell the great gardener that I am. So I uprooted this thing and I moved it to the next place. Waited a little while. It's like, oh, this thing's dying. It is in desperate need. What, what can I do? So I, I, I don't know whether I Googled in those days or not. I probably did Google. I had a little look. Read a book, probably. No, I, I wouldn't be reading a book. Siri, help me. <laughs> anyway, whoever they are. Anyway, um, I... I, I, they suggested other places. I dug it back up and I moved it to another place. This thing now is huge. It is a huge. It just takes over the end of our garden and it needs to be cut back every year. And it's, but it was in. It needed to find the right place. And then when it found the right place, it needed to give time to get the root down, and it needed to stay there. Can I encourage you? If this feels like home as a church, then put your roots down. If it doesn't really feel like home to you, then leave and find a home that feels right for you. Because then you will flourish in the courts of your God. You will flourish in the house of God. But the important thing is to find the place where you feel at home. I feel comfortable here. I feel I've got a voice here. I feel I can get involved here. I feel this is home. This is family. This is us. Remember, not your church. It's our. His, but our church. And I feel home here. It's so important. I'm going to talk about one more ology, and it's phytology. Does anybody know what phytology is? looking at those that are slightly brainier. <laughs> Phytology, come on. I, I, this is really... I hope that there'll be no one in the room that knew what this is. So, I, I, Phytology is a, bra a branch of biology that studies plants. So it's not a biblical phytology, all right? So phytology, two things about roots I want to share with you this morning. Firstly, roots... They provide an anchor needed to keep the plant in one place. Need to put your roots down. Personally in your walk with God so that nothing, no situation, no pain, no problem, no health issue, no, no distraction, no person can take you from where God wants you. Personally. But also us as a church. 
But more importantly, roots are the lifeline to a plant. Taking up air, water, and nutrients from the soil, move them up to the leaves where they can interact with the sunlight and produce sugars, flavors, and energy for the plant. I don't know what flavors they were on about, but I thought, I'm going to go around eating a few leaves and just see what flavors are in the trees. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do it, just in case they're poisonous, all right? But it's just put down roots because they... Out of the ground, no wonder the, the, the Bible, they wouldn't have known this scientifically, but they knew the principle. If your roots are down well, then your leaves will be green. They didn't have that scientific technology back then. But they knew something that we so often neglect, and that's our root system. Come on, look after the root system of our life. Spiritually speaking... Our roots are firmly bedded on his word. Spiritual growth will be evident in your life. When our roots are in him, our lives will flourish. I'll get there in a second. So my desire for every one of us is to grow. Grow. Flourish. In fact, I guess I'd like to take a word called Thrive. I want you to thrive in the things of God. Thrive. It's a great word. Thrive. If someone or something thrives, they do well, they are successful, they are healthy, they are strong, and in a good place. I want you to thrive. Who else wants to thrive? That does sound good, doesn't it? They're successful, they're healthy, they're strong, and they're in a good place. Thrive. Thrive. It's not thriving in yourself, it's thriving in him. Let me read this scripture for you. I I just wanted to add this this morning. For bodily exercise profits little. If you're going to the gym or you're going to diet, great, well done, I congratulate you. But actually the Bible says it actually profits you little. Oh dear, anyway. Anyway, uh, let's, let's read it as it's in context. For bodily exercise profits little, but it will profit. But godliness is profitable for all things, having the promise of the life that now is and for that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. For to this end we both labor and suffer reproach because of our trust, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially those who believe. These things, these things command and teach, all right? I am doing what the Word of God tells me to do. Command and teach this. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine, Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given by prophecy of the laying on the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. 
For in doing this, you will both save yourself and those who hear you. That is so powerful in the journey of us being disciples in the things of God. So where does this journey all begin? I'm so pleased you asked. It starts with a prayer. An acknowledgement that we have made mistakes, we've failed along the way, and that we need Jesus to be our Lord and Savior. That is from, from this corner, Stephen, to the back, Patrick, and it incorporates every one of us. That's, that's the journey where it all began for us. We acknowledge Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Then the choice is ours. How close do we want to come to him? How close do we want to draw near to him? The closer you get to know him, the more unshakable you'll be in the journey of your life. And I just want to pray, if you may be here for the very first time, and you've never prayed that prayer of salvation, you've never prayed, Lord, come into my life. That is the beginning, the starting point, the, the, the moment of connection of receiving Jesus in, in all his fullness. And then the rest can be a daily walk with him. So let's pray together. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and today you want to know him, you want to begin this journey of discipleship, you want to begin this journey of knowing him, it starts with one prayer. And I'm going to pray this prayer. I'm going to ask you to pray it after me. Jesus, I come to you. You're the one who saves, who transforms, who breathes life. Today, Forgive me of my sin. Change me from the inside that it may be noticeable on the outside. That I may know you. That I may know the power of your resurrection. Forgive me. Change me. I receive you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, every head is bowed and every eye closed. If you prayed that prayer this morning and you want to begin stage one, step one, moment one in your life, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to pop up your hand just to acknowledge that he who died on a cross for you, who came to give you life and life more abundantly, that you are receiving him in your life today. One, two, three. Three, if you prayed that prayer, just pop up your hand this morning. Thank you, I see that hand. Is there anybody else in this room? Yes, I see that hand right at the back. People making a decision in the journey of their life. Is there anybody else in this room? You say, yeah, count me in. Today's about being real before you. Starting a journey. Walking with him. Father, I pray for these two hands that have gone up in this room today. Lord, that you would just reveal the wonder. Lord, the wonder of living for you. I thank you, Lord, you've given us the opportunity, not of being the publican or the thief on the cross that only knew what salvation was, but you've given us the opportunity of outliving and outworking salvation through discipleship in our life. Oh, what a privilege it is to walk with you. And I pray, Lord, 
for those two people in this room today who have prayed and prayed that prayer and acknowledged you today. Lord, I pray that the excitement and the desire to walk with you all the days of their life will just be, Lord, like a seed planted in their heart today. And Lord, I pray for each one of us. Lord, that we would stir up the gift within us. That we would stir ourselves up and say, why are you downcast, O my soul? Lord, that we would truly be like trees planted by the river where we draw our strength from you in every season of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise the Lord.